Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protocol. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is January 3rd. No, it's not. We're live. Crike. Ready? Oh, we can't do that, Coca. 4, 8, 69. Protocol. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's January 4th, 2023. Protocol. We all know it's been a weekend. We all know what happened in Buffalo to the Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, right there in Cincinnati during a Monday night game. We've seen the video, this transcended sports. This was breaking news, CNN, New York Times, CNBC, Fox, everywhere. The violence of football took center stage as football fans and not football fans alike saw unfolding live before them a real world example of the possibility of what can happen to a player playing football. There's been a ton of discussion, and I'm not going to spend this show speculating about how it happened, why it happened, whether there was a pre-existing condition. All I'm going to tell you is I want DeMar Hamlin to get better. I want him to get out of critical condition, and I want him to be okay, and I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about his family, his teammates, everybody. But I want to take you behind the scenes and talk about things that were going on the protocols that take place, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I want to let you understand the reality of some people get to be frozen in that moment. Some executives, some players, some staff, but other people have to spring into action. First responders, we don't thank them enough what they do. First responders save lives every day when cameras aren't rolling, when people are under cardiac arrest. That's what they're trained to do. When you are hosting a live sporting event, make no mistake, there is a playbook for emergencies. We rehearse emergencies all the way down to the exact route that the ambulance will take to the trauma center, to the hospital from the ballpark. We know where the ambulances are stationed. We know exactly where on the field if something happens, where first responders are going to come from to access that player. It's the same protocol when there are fans who have a heart attack or fans who something happens, an acute trauma. All of that gets rehearsed, not during a game when the stadium's empty. You bring in the first responders who are generally, let's say, City of Miami or County of Miami-Dade police, fire, rescue. 
in Cincinnati, whether it's done through the county, through the city, it is not employees of the team. It is employees of the county or the city where you are playing. It is actual first responders. You of course have team trainers. You of course have team doctors. Both sides have doctors, both sides have trainers. But on top of that, and the ones who are getting right down in there are the first responders. It's what they do for a living. You get paid overtime when you cover games, by the way. It's the general rule. It's time and a half for an hourly wage. It's negotiated when you are doing your public-private partnership. But in any case, you have a rehearsal and then the game starts and people are paying attention. And then what happened here is when Hamlin went down, it became very apparent. And it's the example I've given you before on Nothing Personal. When you're on a plane and there's turbulence and the flight attendant is very calm, you ought to be calm. If the flight attendant's running up and down the aisle, you ought to realize there could be a problem. When you're looking on the field at an injury and you are the president of a team, I'm looking to see what I saw live, but then I'm looking to see the reaction of the players around the player who gets him first because players get to players first. In football, you've got the referee and some umpires who can be right there when the player gets hurt, but really it's teammates. I'm looking for reaction. So I remember when Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann's leg and he called immediately for the training staff to come out. When you see that, that activates the emergency plan because when you're accessing the player, you don't know what happened. Did the player get the wind knocked out of him? Is there a compound fracture? Is there some sort of head trauma? You don't know. But in this case, as you saw the trainers from both sides quickly get onto the field, it was apparent that Hamlin was in cardiac arrest. When a player is in cardiac arrest, again, you have the protocol. So they go to CPR, they've got the AEDs, they've got everything there to try to help the player right there on the field. The general rule is you do not move the player until it is safe to move the player, no matter the delay. So meanwhile, while Hamlin is being resuscitated, players around are praying, they're on their knees, they're forming a human wall so cameras may not be able to see what was going on. You can look at the terror on their faces but there's other things going on at that moment. The GM of the Bills is coming out of the box and going right down to the clubhouse and accessing the field. If the owner is at the game, the owner is doing the same thing. The opposing team's GM, in this case, the home team Bengals, their GM is also coming down on the field. When it's an ordinary injury where there's a slight delay, GM stay in their boxes, they get a phone call from the trainers, sometimes they go down to get an update if they just wanna see what's happening. But in an instance like this, when you know that this is not ordinary, that you've never seen this before, you're getting down on the field. You're bringing your phone because you know that you're gonna have to be in touch with the league. You cannot postpone a game without the league giving you permission to do it. The Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals players, McDermott, the coach, Taylor, doesn't matter who it was. None of them have a say in whether or not the game was going to be postponed. We all had questions. What took so long for the game to be postponed? ESPN was stuck on the air trying to explain the inexplicable. They were getting updates as best as they could. They had Lisa on the sideline trying to see what was going on. They went to break, they went to some segments, they came back from break. Total lack of information. 
The only thing ESPN had was that there could be a five minute break, a five minute warm up, and then we play again. By the way, side note, everybody is denying that anyone said that. The broadcast partner of a league, they don't make up information during a situation like that. They get information given to them by league officials. They don't just go to air and say the game will be restarted. Think about something as innocuous as a rain delay. Do you think that our TV partners go on the air and say, first pitch will be at 7.42? No, of course not. We give them that information. It comes from the team or the league if the league is in charge of the game. So for the NFL to say that they had no idea where that five minute came from and hanging out ESPN to dry is ridiculous. It was not a misstatement by ESPN. That's what they knew, that's what they thought. And that's not out of the ordinary. For a majority of injuries, that's what happens. You attend to the player on the field, you hope to get the thumbs up if there's a a neck injury. If there's no thumbs up, you've got the horror of the possibility of paralysis. You have a delay and then the game continues. If a guy gets his head knocked off, almost literally, but in this case, figuratively, you get him off the field, even into the locker room, maybe into the ambulance, you say a prayer, and then you start again. This one was gonna be different from the beginning. When you've got a player, when there is an on-field death, almost death, maybe a death, that's it. The game will not be played. When Jose Fernandez passed away, we spoke to the league. We couldn't cancel the game that Sunday. We spoke to the league. We agreed to postpone that game. But it was also decided right then and there that we would play the next day, Monday, because the games had playoff implications. We then said, well, Jose would have wanted it that way. But we had to say that because we had no choice but to play. Our players weren't ready to play the next day. But the games went on. All other teams played that day that Jose died. You get a memo from the league. People put up his jersey in the dugout. The league sends you a picture to put up. So there's a moment of silence that comes. So every stadium uses the same picture. That's what's going to happen this Sunday in the NFL and this Saturday. Make no mistake, the games are going to continue. And they're not going to switch around the schedule. Because in the NFL, you are preparing for that opponent. Major League Baseball, we could get a call saying, hey, you were going to play the Braves tomorrow, but instead you're playing the Mets. No problem. We will get out our binder on the Mets and we will lace them up and go play. Obviously, you know, with football and game planning, you can't just spring an opponent on a team. So the NFL was hoping that they would be able to continue that game. No matter what they tell you, that's what they were hoping. However, when they realized that it was cardiac arrest and that he was being resuscitated and didn't have a pulse and was on his way to the ambulance and then on his way to the hospital, that's when you know. When there is a life or death situation, not a broken bone or a concussion where you could have stuff 30 years from now when no one's paying attention other than lawyers, the game goes on. When there is a problem with a fan in the stadium, cardiac arrest, fan dies during the game, the game goes on. But a player, the game gets postponed. So the NFL took about 50 minutes to figure that out. Then they announced it, finally, got criticized for that. 
But the conversations that are happening are Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent, because the commissioner is involved in this, and he also has people on staff. Did you know that there are people who work for the leagues who are on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day? It doesn't mean they're sitting in their office, but there is someone in the league office, it's like being a doctor on call, who you can reach at any time if you've got an emergency that requires league intervention. So the league was in on this from the start. The league knew very well and very quickly that if this game gets postponed, it was not going to get made up because the NFL schedule does not permit that. It's not like you can play a doubleheader. It's not like you can find a common off day and then go fly in and play. Football is different than baseball or basketball in that way. So when you know in advance, and believe me, the NFL knows this in advance, when you're in week 17 and there's a postponement, there's not a reschedule. You are then going to tiebreakers or other ways that you are going to figure out any sort of playoff positioning or implications. Is it perfect? No. But this is a situation where you're not aiming for perfection. You're aiming for completion. You're aiming for integrity. So the league comes out and says, this is what we're going to do. Then they start working on the memo. Memos are always important from the leagues. Roger Goodell sent a memo the next day to team presidents, general managers, head coaches, reminding everyone of what happened as though they didn't know that memo like summarized what happened. Everyone in the world knew what happened. And then said, we've got mental health professionals ready to go. Let us know if you need anything. We'll keep you up to date with any schedule changes. There are no schedule changes. They were told, the the executives and the head coaches were told before that memo came out to keep preparing for their games on Saturday or Sunday. But the memo about mental health, I was thinking about that. We didn't send memos like that 10 years ago. We weren't as concerned about the mental health of players. That's great progress where we are thinking about mental health. I can't say it was executed perfectly, given that if you're really thinking about mental health, you would have been able to make decisions quite a bit faster. No question about it. All credit, by the way. Make sure you're getting this clear for me on Nothing Personal. All credit to the first responders in Cincinnati who hopefully saved his life. So the memo comes out. We expect these players. It's very strange what I'm hearing on shows. The benefit of not having done a show yesterday is I got, and I missed you guys, um, is that uh, I got to listen to what other people were saying about this situation. And I, I found it to be strange in that the hit yesterday or on Sunday, or on Monday, excuse me, again, that DeMar Hamlin did that caused this, that was not a particularly violent hit. That did not in any way inform my decision one way or the other on whether or not football is violent or too violent or not violent enough or whether we wear enough pads. It did not make me question, why do I watch football? Now I'm not gonna watch football. I didn't wanna watch football. I don't wanna see these things happen. Any more so than watching Reggie Lewis die in a practice court off season in the 90s or Hank Gathers die on the court in 1990. What you do is, what we all do. The players do the same thing. Someone said, I wonder whether players will wanna play football anymore. Players do what we do. When we see a car accident, we drive by a car accident, we see ambulances, we see people being hella lifted. You just say, wow, that can happen, but it won't happen to me. You see a plane crash, that can happen, won't happen to me. I can freebase Coke. I don't do that, of course, but hey, I'm not gonna die. I won't be that guy. I can have unprotected sex. I'm not gonna get AIDS. 
all the different things that we rationalize in ourselves. Football players are no different. Do you know that in baseball, if you get hit with a baseball, and our players all know this, the executives know it, you should know it as parents of little leaguers, if a baseball hits you square in the chest and it is some sort of lightning strike, it has to happen at the exact time, at the exact moment, with the exact rhythm of your exact heart that you can go into cardiac arrest. We know this. There are people saying they didn't know that. Any athlete, every athlete, there are football players who are saying they were not aware that if you get hit in the chest, you could die. That is just negligence on the part of all trainers and all executives and all coaches from peewee league up to the National Football League. Well-established in any sport, in life. Do you know there's, there's law school cases about this actually? Eggshell skull, they're called. Find your victims as they are. If you tap someone on the head and you would reasonably think that that person wouldn't crumble to the ground and they crumble to the ground, yikes, you're in trouble. So the fact that he got hit in the chest, players are saying to themselves, well, what are the odds? Like we're terribly devastated. We're not ready to play right now, which makes perfect sense that the Bills and Bengals weren't gonna play, that makes sense. But they're gonna play Sunday. The games are going to go on. They'll hang a jersey, they'll continue to raise money, they'll continue to pray. They're gonna to continue to wanna to win the Super Bowl. I think that the Chicago Cubs may have had a heavy heart in 2016, but they wanted to win the World Series. Games went on. When people are faced with tragedy, faced with horror, they tend to have the herd mentality which is comfort in numbers. The comfort here is talking to people about it. Where were you? Did you see that? What were you feeling? How do you feel? Can you believe that? That was so scary. Then you realize on social media that there is a GoFundMe page for Damar Hamlin and his foundation. And all of a sudden donations are pouring in because people just wanna let each other know, hey, we are a community, we're united. There's nothing that unites people like tragedy. It's a very interesting concept. You wanna really get your team together, find yourself a little tragedy, not death. Find something to rally around. That's you know page two of the political playbook or page two of the family handbook. Why do you think at airports when you're delayed for five hours or there's something going on that everyone starts talking and hanging out together? Can you believe this? I can't even believe this. We've been here 10 hours, this airline sucks. There's just this camaraderie that forms. So once someone starts giving, then other people start giving. I don't wanna be looked at as someone who doesn't give, so I'm gonna give. I wanna just explain one quick thing. If you have a charity and a foundation, and Tamar Hamlin, by all accounts, I do not know him, hadn't known him, by all accounts, he is a good man. He has a foundation where he was trying to raise $2,500 in a toy drive to give toys and back to school equipment to kids. The GoFundMe page is over $6 million. Now, before you say, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I would like to point out that one of the most irresponsible things to do is to give someone an amount of money that they are not equipped to handle. And this is not about Hamlin or his foundation. This is in life. Can you imagine your, your kids are raising money selling Girl Scout cookies? 
and somebody walks in and says, I don't want one box. I don't want 10 boxes. I want a million boxes of Girl Scout cookies. It throws the entire Girl Scout cookie Pepsi, where is my jet thing? It's an issue. Foundations have to have boards of directors. They have to fill out forms, tax returns. You think that Hamlin's foundation is not gonna get audited by the IRS? You bet your bippy it's going to. Because when there is money given into a foundation, that foundation has to use it for the purpose of that foundation. And there have to be operating agreements and documents. There have to be systems, grants. This foundation just became a major foundation that's going to need help. So for all the people donating to it, I hope there's an accountant donating his time, a lawyer donating his, her, or their time. Accountant can be a her and a they, of course, too. doesn't matter. Instead of donating your $18 or $36 or $1,080 or $1,800 or whatever you're giving, how about saying, hey, four hours of my billable time. I'm going to help you because his family's gonna need help. He doesn't, he's not gonna need help. Don't forget, he is not gonna need help with medical bills. That's gonna be covered by the insurance that these NFL players have, but they are gonna need help based on the foundation. So there is so much going on right now with this story. It's gonna continue to evolve. We're gonna hope that he gets out of critical condition, but don't look for games to be postponed this coming week. Look for games to be played. Look for similar sort of moments of prayer in each of the stadiums. I'm not sure that I would do a denominational prayer live or on the air or at a ballpark, but maybe. It'll be interesting. But in the meantime, don't forget to keep thinking about it. And remember, life is short. Life is precious. Carpe diem. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Still watching the movie every day. Please get to me at Twitter at David P. Sampson, Instagram as well. Give me suggestions. You know I'm going to watch one every day or a TV series. Did it during the break. Still watched one every day, no matter what I was doing. I got a review one I watched yesterday. It's called The Menu. The Menu is with Ray Fiennes and Anna Taylor-Joy. I don't watch trailers. I don't read reviews until I'm done with the movie. All I know is nominations. And this was nominated for two Golden Globes, Best Actor in a Musical Comedy for Ray Fiennes, who plays the chef, and Anna Taylor-Joy, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. So I thought it was a musical or comedy. There's no songs. There's no laughing. Coke and I ended up arguing about this pre-show, both last night and this morning, with him telling me, do you not get dark comedy? Well, no, I guess I don't. The menu is about a chef at a restaurant. It's, I've never seen so much content in 22 and 23. There was Boiling Point, there was The Bear. It must be all these reality shows like Chef's Table and all these things, this interest in high-end food. There's a huge amount of interest in giving it to the man, right? All rich people doing rich, exclusive things, bring them down, put them on the Concord, make the Concord crash. Triangle of Sadness, a movie we reviewed, take all the people, the rich people, and put them on an island and make them get ruled by the poor person. Same concept here. The menu's about 12 people being escorted to a private island for a meal. Uh, it was a lot more than a meal. Ray Fiennes plays the chef who is the conductor of this experience, and it is an experience. It is immaculately cast. Look for Tony Danza's, ah, uh, Coca. Is it Tony Danza's wife or mother, Judith Light, on Who's the Boss? I don't know why I don't know that. I'm gonna say wife, but it doesn't matter, whoever it is. So The Menu is a movie that you should check out. It's on HBO Max right now, and you are gonna be awfully impressed when you watch it. I, I loved every minute of it, but it's not a musical or a comedy. It, to me, it was a drama. We'll see what happens when the Academy Awards come out. Okay, let's talk about uh, the Miami Dolphins and concussions and injuries. Seems like sort of a dark show. We did a dark movie and obviously started off with a subject that was so unfortunate. Now we're talking about Tua and what happened to him during the break. Owners don't want their players to not play. No matter what they say, we care about the athlete. We are here, Coach Mike McDaniel of the Dolphins. All we care about is the health of our athletes. Horse hockey. That is not what coaches, executives, owners care about. It's not even what the league cares about. They all pretend they do with all these memos and all these different enhancements to equipment. You want to make football safe, by the way? Bring back the leather helmet. Get rid of the face masks. In any case, two of the Dolphins apparently is in concussion protocol again with his either second or third concussion of the season. And what happened after he got hurt, the Dolphins are in a free fall. They seem to win with Tua, but they've lost now. I think they won three in a row, then lost three in a row, then won five in a row, then lost five in a row. I think that's how they got to eight and eight, which is two, three game a three-game winning streak and a three-game losing streak and a five-game winning streak and a five-game losing streak. Uh, Coke, I, that may be off, but I think it's something like that. Very, very streaky. And when he was taken out of the game, there was a lot of talk. What's going to be with Tua? Are we worried about his career? 
The way the NFL works once they have the concussion settlements is they're very right. Their antennas are up as it relates to concussions. There was an issue with the union, do you remember, where there was a grievance filed. Did the league treat the player right? Did the team treat the player right? We are here to protect the players, says the union. The union and the league were stepping all over themselves to file a joint statement after Tua's injury saying there was no violation of these new concussion protocols that we have put in place to protect the safety of our players. Thank God we wouldn't want Stephen Ross to get in trouble again. No more draft picks lost, no more fines. He's got enough service, doesn't he? But is that really what the league thinks or the players union or to his family that everyone's out there ready to protect him? Claiming, hey, there was no indication from the independent medical consultant that there was any possibility of concussion. He only exhibited signs the day after. We watch athletes every day. There is no team president or GM who can't watch a game and see when something's off. We can tell from a pitcher's delivery if there's something hurting. We can tell if a pitcher has a toenail for crying out loud. There was something off with Tua. The question is what now? If you're the front office of the Dolphins, are you planning your next season to have Tua as your quarterback? Are you thinking about trading for Derek Carr, signing a free agent, bringing in Baker Mayfield, somebody other than Bridgewater to protect Tua, or did you go with Bridgewater, the modern day Fitzpatrick? The point is from a practical standpoint, the Miami Dolphins have to think about life after Tua. At some point, he may make a decision that he doesn't wanna play football anymore. The problem is when we leave those decisions up to the players, it's the exception, not the rule. It's the Andrew Lux of the world. Very few. There's a few every year you read about football players who retire who say, I don't want the violence. I don't want the risk of injury. You hear some baseball players say, hey, too old, ready to stop. But that happens less often. But players generally, think about it. And this is not anti-player or pro-owner. Where else will players make the money they're making but on the field? I give them all the credit in the world. This is not me doing anything wrong, live. We all do what we think we can do best to earn as much as we can for our family because it is all business, right? So the question is, how do we save people from making bad decisions that are solely financially based that do not take into account the very real reality of the long-term effects? Here's the problem. If you went to Jim McMahon right now, if you don't know Jim McMahon, GTS, quarterback of the Super Bowl winning Bears, go talk to Jim McMahon right now. You won't be able to have much of a conversation, I promise you that. Ask him would he do it again. Go to football players or baseball players, go to Andre Dawson, a personal friend. I love Andre. Knee replacements, limping, pain, has to work out every day in order to make sure there's no stiffness and even then it's forever pain. Would you do it again? Damn right he would. And so would Jim McMahon. So sometimes players can't make the right decision, but is it up to us to make it for them? I think it's only up to us to tell them, here's the risks. If you wanna play football, you need to show me that you're of sound mind and body and you're gonna sign a document. You are absolving the league, the team, and 
all the owners, everybody of any liability, any. We always want players to do that kind of stuff. The reason we want players to do that is that I'm okay with people making whatever decision they want. It's their lives. Don't listen to music too loud, your mom used to say. You're going to go deaf. I didn't care. I was 12. Guess what? I can't hear. Don't run every day like this. Don't do all these marathons. You're going to have joint pain when you get older. I promise you. You're going to have a knee problem. You're going to have hip issues. Don't be ridiculous. The worst I have is chafing. I'm good. Oh, my God. I'm turning 55. I can barely move. Ah, screw it. We all take health for granted, don't we, until we're not healthy. But when we do things that we know are not good for us, and then the other shoe drops because we say, hey, I know that can bad something bad can happen if you don't wear a seatbelt, but I'll be fine. Holy Christ, I'm being shot through the window shield. Damn, I should have worn a seatbelt. From now on, I'm wearing a seatbelt. Too late, you have, you have a shard of glass in your retina. So we make a law. You must wear a seatbelt. Well, that works. Not. We make protocols. We're going to put it in the hands of independent consultants. You can't play. Right. Given a chance, Tua will make his decision. The league will continue to be worried about concussions as they deal with the results of the technological advances, the size of the athletes, the equipment they're using that gives them the power and the freedom to make the hits they're making. Ironically, not the type of hit that was done with Hamlin, far more physical dangerous hits that are happening that are like little fat dying by a thousand paper cuts that end up 20 years later with the inability to eat anything other than strained corn. I'll give you a wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen. If it happens, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it. Guess what? Two is done. He's not playing. If the Dolphins make the playoffs, they've got like a 50-50 shot or they've got to beat somebody this week They've and hope that the Bills beat the Patriots. Two is done, even if the Dolphins make the playoffs. Wait to see. They will not let him back. But let's pay attention to what happens next season. Tua, we want you to be well. So all of these shows that you listen to, and we thank you for listening to Nothing Personal throughout the years. This is episode 725. Uh, we do wait to seize, but then we revisit them. All these other people just tell you, hey, this is going to happen. And then it doesn't, and they ignore it. On December 26th of 2022, right before the break, we told you Nathaniel Hackett was going to get fired by the Broncos. Remember when the Broncos gave up all those points, like 50 plus points? Guess what? He got fired. Got that one right. Back in January of 2022, we said the Giants were going to win eight games or fewer. Got that wrong. The Giants are in the playoffs. Let's go blue. They've won nine games, I think. First time in the playoffs since 2016. How excited. Even Lawrence Taylor sent out a tweet. Let's go G-Men. Got that one wrong. And this last one I'm annoyed about, but I got to revisit it. I'm embarrassed about it. It goes against everything that I know. I told you on December 1st that Ronaldo would not sign with that Saudi Arabian team, Al Nasser. And what am I doing? Our whole show is based on this. It's obvious. He was offered $75 million a year. Yes, he took it. Christian Ronaldo. Of course, it's just business, right? Dang it. 
that way to see was wrong. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. We're starting over. If you guys followed us every year, here's how it works. Whatever your unit is, if it's dollar, $5, $100, a million dollars, no dollars, 10 cents, doesn't matter. We are gonna keep track of our picks today. We take them seriously. We keep track of the wins and losses and we also keep track of your money. Your money matters. Our money matters. We are zero and zero. We got a game tonight in the National Basketball Association. I'm looking at box scores every day, wondering to myself, is this the NBA that the owners want? Does Adam Silver, the commissioner, call up his friends at night and say, hey, look, the Thunder just dropped 150 on the Celtics. How awesome is that? Every other game is 142 to 119. This player scored 47 points. I think Giannis is averaging 47 points in his last three games. It's, it's ridiculous. There was a time when Bernard King got 50 points back to back and they like honored him around the country. Not anymore. I mean, it's cool, Luca getting the triple-double with 60 points, but are you surprised? Were you happy when Donovan Mitchell got 71 points for the Cavaliers? Donovan Mitchell taking pictures. He wrote on a piece of paper, which made me smile. Remember when he, he did this? We're live, so I'm just gonna show you what he did. When Will Chamberlain scored 100 points, which is the record and still the record, he wrote 100 on a piece of paper and took a famous picture. So Mitchell wrote 71, and he just put it up and smiled. <laughs> 71. Donovan Mitchell is the uh, only NFT I own. I took my son to Utah uh, to go skiing and we went to a jazz game because we like going to games. And uh, so I got an NFT. I wanted to check it out. I'm not trading them or doing anything with them. I got some account and bought this NFT of Donovan Mitchell. And then the jazz were terrible and they didn't win a title. So I think the NFT became worth, I think I had to pay someone $15 to get rid of it. So I didn't do that. Then he gets traded to the Cavaliers, and I'm thinking, all right, maybe it'll get back to par. Don't even know what par is. I mean, I don't know what it means. It's when you shoot four on a par four. I don't even golf. Why would I say that? Par is when you get back to even. I don't know. Donovan Mitchell, Cavs. They're good. They've been bad for so long post-LeBron that it's hard to realize. But while you weren't paying attention, the Cavaliers are one of the best teams in the East. They're giving five points to the Phoenix Suns, and they're gonna cover. It's something that you never thought you'd see. Cavs minus five over Suns, there you have it. That's our first nothing personal pick of the day. All right, keeping with the theme of the show, just so many dark things happened. There's video circulating right now that you should check out. It's grainy, but it's clear. Uh, Dana White was caught on video slapping his wife. They were at a nightclub celebrating or fighting or whatever they were doing. She slapped him. He then slapped her. Dana White is like three of me. This guy's strong, strong like bull. He's definitely not five, five, a buck 35. News alert. I don't care how big you are, how small you are. I don't care how old you are. You do not hit women ever. I don't care how angry you get. Guess what? You don't hit men. Keep your hands to yourself. It's a pretty simple rule that you learned in kindergarten, right? Keep your hands to yourself. Don't steal someone else's lunch. Don't steal their lunch money. Don't hit people, scratch people, pull, claw, punch. Just don't do it. Be Albert Brooks. Crucify them with your tongue. Be witty. Be funny. Be biting. Be sarcastic. Because sticks and stones may bake my bones, but names will never hurt me. 
Dana White was in total violation. What do you do when that happens and you're endeavoring, you own the UFC? What do you do when this happens in your ESPN and your partners with the UFC? You get very, very quiet and you hope to God it goes away. But if it weren't Dana White and it were somebody else, that player, that employee, that fighter, see you later. But not the boss. You want an example of different rules for different people? I'll give you an example. Dana White. What are we doing here? Either it's okay to hit, some, hit your spouse or not. And I am not in any way equating this to a situation that happened 31 years ago. Today. Right there. Do you suspend him? He's the boss. He answers to Endeavor. Is it possible that they could do it? I just want there to be accountability and I wanna understand the emotion of drinking and drugs and, and fighting. I wanna understand what makes people violent. I've been trying to understand these things my whole life to no avail, trying to understand the level of frustration. And I guess I would manifest it through being disengaged and robotic and people just saying, you have no heart, you have no feelings. You don't look like you care. You're not showing any emotion. There's so many opportunities when you are showing emotion like that for something to go wrong. When you lose control of yourself, whether it's through drugs, through alcohol, through rage, anger management, you can end up ruining not just the life of the person you're hitting, your own life. For anybody who's selfish out there, why would you do something where there's a risk of you not being able to do what you love to do? Unless you feel, here it is. If you feel that there's no accountability for your actions or behaviors, then how do you know how to govern your actions and behaviors? I think we just solved Contexto. GTS, if you don't know what that is. Coca, I'm not forgiving you for that. There's a new game out there. What's it called, Coca? Where you have to guess a word, any word. Like let's say you put in, you, the word you wanna say is baseball and you put baseball in and it will say, you are 168,000 combinations away from getting the word. Then you guess another word, menu. And then they say, you are 18,765 away. It could take you like 100,000 guesses to figure out the one word in the English language. Anyway, it's totally ridiculous. I don't know why that was in my mind. I don't know why you sent that to me, Coca. I have a hard enough time sleeping. By the way, an early New Year shout out to Matt Coca. What we're doing live, all the things we're doing on Nothing Personal, he's the producer. We are a two-person operation. You don't hear him or see him, but believe me, I hear him and see him. Thank God for that. So all about accountability for Dana White, we haven't really seen any accountability. Will there be? Maybe if you know there's no accountability, it informs you that you don't have to pay attention to your behavior. Maybe that's why right now in our political world, people are talking about accountability. The chicken's coming home to roost. Let's take it. That's what, right, the menu and triangle of sadness. Let's make all the rich people accountable. Let's make the poor people accountable. Let's make everybody accountable. I'm in. As long as it's proportional, and I don't mean as it relates to money, I'm talking about the accountability. I don't think that someone should be treated differently because they're the president of a company versus an employee of the company. But I'm guilty of doing it having run a company. 
I'm not gonna fire myself. I may have the guts to resign or be forced to resign by the league or by the owner if I'm doing some sort of activity, but an owner, we talk about this all the time. What does it take to get owners to sell? That's the only way to get them to be accountable for their actions. And then it's gotta be Danny boy or Sarver. Is that the bar for accountability for an owner? Okay, why don't we change that? Why don't we? Because the people in charge won't allow it. Why do you think there's no campaign finance reform? because the advantage of campaign finance and PACs goes to the incumbents. So how are you gonna get incumbents to vote for something that could impact them? They're not doing the greater good theory, thinking about the future, thinking about their own careers today. Owners aren't gonna do something where they're all held accountable to a level that they hold their employees accountable to. Why would they ever do that? Because then they could get caught and be forced to do something they don't wanna do. But we always find a way to make the difference. We always find a way to say, you know what? This employee did this and we are terminating him. This player did that, we're releasing him. Yeah, that player wasn't very good. This player's so good, but we are fining him and we're suspending him for three days. We do accountability based on where you are in your level of importance to the area in which you're operating and to your arena. Most people don't get the benefit of that doubt. How many people say no to Dana White? I was the president of a baseball team for 18 years. The number of people I wasn't related to who said no to me, I can count on my hand. And if you think that did not impact or inform the way I behaved or things that I did, and I'm not talking about hitting people, don't get me wrong, never done that. I've never hit anyone. I've never been hit. My mouth has gotten me out of some serious jams. And I think people look at me saying, God, he's so small. What happens if we hit him? But that shouldn't even be the criteria. I think that's what we're gonna try. Let's try making, and it's not the criminal justice system that needs to be changed, although we agree it's totally ineffective. But what does need to be changed is equality, not just for everyone in terms of human rights, but for everyone in terms of accountability. Wouldn't it be amazing if people were able to say to Dana White, you can't do this. But then is it a slippery slope that we have to go all the way to Greg Berhalter and say, hey, you can't do it either. He gets to say, I did it when I was 18. It was 31 years ago the coach of the US men's soccer team. Such buzz going on about that story where he, there's an investigation into his actions 31 years ago. Someone's trying to stop him from being a coach and they're trying to bring up things to so the US soccer, United States soccer is investigating what happened 31 years ago and deciding whether or not he is still fit to be a coach. This goes back to, do we forgive people when they're children or don't we? What's the level of action or behavior that is so unforgivable, it doesn't matter. You went to a flag burning ceremony. You watched a neo-Nazi get together. You dressed up as a Nazi. All the people who love Harry, he apologized, Harry and Meghan, but he still dressed up as a Nazi, but he gets forgiven. What's the criteria? Are we all different? If so, and you don't know the rules of engagement, how do you play the damn game? All anybody wants in life is to understand the rules of engagement, to understand how to act in certain situations so they can decide for themselves, are they going to act that way or are they not? And if they're not, here's the punishment. If they are, here's the punishment. I've told you this before, but no one's listening. I don't know why. 
You want to stop speeding? Make it when you go 75 miles an hour that you're in jail. That's it. It's not, no questions asked. There's no trial. There's no nothing. You're in jail. I'm never going 75 again. No matter what age you are, if you hit someone, your wife, your girlfriend, no matter what, you will not be able to get a job again if this ever goes public. All right, just tell me then. It's very hard to go in the past and change the rules from 10, 20, 30 years ago, but there is no question what the rules are today. We're gonna stick to one rule here. It's just business. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.